John the Baptist had been expecting the rise of the Messiah all of his life. That was the purpose of his entire existence. And now that that is happening, he finds himself in prison. He cannot be there, and he almost becomes despondent. His situation shows that dilemma that, uh, of many people who have experienced the power of God and God's salvation. They know God is real. They've seen the Lord in action. But at the same time, they're confronted by the fact that evil is still causing a lot of damage around them. They find themselves in, a, in, in an evil world, in a dark place. And the kingdom of God is kind of sprouting and, begin, and moving on, but it doesn't seem to take over all at once. And that's when these doubts or, or these you know, disheartening feelings appear. If God has come to this world to redeem it, if he, he has truly come, why haven't all things changed yet? And it may be especially challenging when bad things happen to you because you believe. That's especially hard. I remember, for example, the story of Cardinal Francis Van Tuan, the Vietnamese bishop who was imprisoned by the communists back in 1975. He was taken to prison without trial, without warning. They showed up one day and they said to, they said to him, come with us. He couldn't take his belongings, not even a Bible. He would spend 13 years from that moment on in prison. And as it happened to John the Baptist, he began to question God, saying, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? What will, my, what will your priests do? What, what will your faithful Catholics do when the government persecutes them and I'm not there? And the response of Jesus is a bit intriguing, isn't it? He, he doesn't liberate John in a miraculous way. He doesn't send angels like, as he did with Peter but he does two things. The first one is he performs many miracles in that moment. He raises the dead. He proclaims, you know, he, he, the lame are walking, lepers are cleansed. And he sends the disciples back to prison. Send this news to John. These are the signs, that these, are, these signs, these miracles are a foretaste of the kingdom. In this way, he brings comfort to his heart. And the second thing he does is he praises John. It's like, you know, the captain praising his soldier before the crowds, before everybody. And in the case of Cardinal Bantuan, Jesus also brought consolation to him. He opened new paths for this man, in, you know, in, in confinement. He, for example, with the help of prisoners, uh, he didn't have a Bible, but he, could, he dictated all the passages of the gospel he could remember, and they came in and they wrote it down in scraps of little scraps of paper. They put together more than 300 passages of the gospel, like a prison gospel. They kept it hidden. They could also smuggle in wine in a little flask of medication or something, and he could celebrate mass clandestinely, bringing a lot of hope to, to Catholic prisoners. And also, uh, this man. Bantuan has such an aura of love that he could befriend anyone, even the communist guards assigned to him, so much so that the authorities in prison decided to rotate 
the guards every six hours so they would not get contaminated by this Catholic bishop. You know what happened? Eventually they decided to keep the same guards all the time so that at least some guards would not get contaminated. Such was his character. He would just bring people to Christ. Well, John the Baptist, Cardinal Bantuan are, are an image of how we believers walk in this world. Many times we find ourselves in, in challenging situations. And God does not take us out of them immediately. But he, he sustains us by giving us signs of his presence, by planting seeds of hope. He gives us a, like a foretaste of his kingdom in those signs. He says, you know, look at this miracle. Look at this encounter. It wasn't providential. Am I not here? Who am your shepherd? Look at my Eucharistic presence. You can be nourished by my grace there. Look at what your testimony can do for people around you. They're not indifferent to what you're, the way you're living. Maybe one of the most challenging aspects, that, or more, most common ones, I would say, that people face today is feeling isolated. If you ask the average person, so how many people do you find around you that you can really open up to and share how you're doing? Many people will say maybe one, two. Some people may say none. That's a sign of isolation. It can feel like, like a prison at times. A young man was telling me recently, you know, he says to me, in our family we don't communicate very much. We, we all go about our business and we all seem to be doing well. Maybe out of shyness or because we don't want to pry into, other into everybody, everybody's lives, we don't quite talk about what's going on inside. So we don't communicate. And that feels like you're pretty much on your own. And it places you in a very weak spot, you know. It's challenging. If you feel that way at times, I think Jesus would say to you, it's not good for you to be isolated. It's not good for you to be alone. I, I didn't mean this for you. And he will bring signs of hope into your life. But he also, we also have to do our part in building bridges with other people in the way John the Baptist did by sending the messengers or in the way Antoine did by befriending the guards. You know, I've mentioned in some homilies in the past this idea that we shouldn't aim at pleasing everybody or meeting people's expectations about us, that we should live to please God. We live you know, to, to honor God. And, and our personal worth comes from God's love, not from how other people value our performance or how popular we are. And this is all very true and very important. But it, it, could also, it could be taken the wrong way, as if we should be self-reliant, as if we didn't need other people around us. And that would be a disastrous interpretation. That wouldn't really do any good. Because we, we do need to establish a network of relationships that work as a support system for all of us, which includes God and, and human relationships on different levels, so friendship and family, you know, mentors, co-workers, neighbors. Christ, the Lord says in one of the parables that, that um, 
storms will hit our lives. That storms and you know, winds will come and hit our lives at some point. And we will endure the storm if our houses, our lives are well built on a rock. And that rock, he says, is if you listen to my words and put them into practice. And I was thinking about this. You know, what's the main teaching of Christ? Well, love God and neighbor. And if think, it, think of it this way. If we love God and neighbor consistently, we will build enduring relationships. We will build this network of relationships. And once you build it, that network supports you. It's your defense. It, is your, it becomes your strength. And we all need that. That is different from being needy. Neediness feels as something excessive and painful. There's something not quite balanced about it. But wholesome human relationships are, are essential. We all need those. We need that network around us. So where do we go from there? Uh, let me suggest a few practical things we can start with. The first one is to discover the signs of God in your life. What are those signs of God's kingdom that the Lord is planting in your life? Maybe if you, even if you look back to the past, to the times that were challenging, to moments of trial, you discover that those moments were moments of growth, purification. Your life expanded, and God was there to sustain you, even when at the time you didn't quite notice it. So maybe what are the, Lord, the doors that God is opening for you at this time? What ways is the Lord, are the signs of God close to you? And he's sustaining you. Maybe through someone that you've met, through words you heard in prayer, through a community that has welcomed you, through something that was very providential that happened recently. The signs of God, the signs of hope. And the second thing to take away in a practical way is Connect with others and connect others. Establish, strengthen this network of relationships. You know, to overcome isolation, we need to connect face-to-face, to work together, pray together, do good things together, form community. Technology can help us maintain the relationships we have established, but it's, it's not, usually it doesn't help so much to deepen those relationships. So what could you do? to strengthen those connections with other people? Could you bring your family or your extended family together to celebrate this season in Christmas, to, to pray or to do some good work to, to celebrate? Could you bring your team, your community together in some way? Could you introduce some people to one another, creating those bonds? Is someone around you that may be spending the past, you know, may be alone this Christmas, they may not have family, friends around that you could bring closer to other, to your family or to the community. So connect with others and connect others. May we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for you encourage us in so many ways. You send us messengers. You send us witnesses. You show us signs of your presence. You come to us in the Eucharist every time. You are alive. I, we believe in you, Lord. 
We believe that darkness cannot overcome your light. So help me regain hope. Help me build those connections with you and others that will keep me strong, that will keep me walking by your side. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.